he don't say he don't say nothing. And I don't say nothing to you. Know? He, he, like I said, if he ready to fight, I'm ready to fight too. And this live again. You're listening to Real Take on Sports. I'm the host, Will Walker. Good morning. Tell you Thursday, October the eighth. Today's podcast. Today, you heard what Sandy Alcantara said. If he wants to fight, we can fight. That is the post game comments by the Marlins' young pitcher after his game one. Not a bad performance. He gave he, he gave some quality moments. But the first batter he faced from the Atlanta professional baseball team, Mr. Ronald Acuna Jr., took him deep opposite field. Ball was outside the plate. That used to be a no-no back in the old days. You know, you if you hogged the plate and you reached out there and you knocked that ball out the ball, you would get hit. And when he got back up, he got hit. It wasn't so much for what I just said. It was simply simply because of the fact he that bat flip was impressive. I don't care about bat flips. It don't mean it makes me no difference. But I'm not a professional baseball player, and I don't really. I'm not on that unwritten rule mess that they got in baseball. But he got hit, and that was a little chirping back and forth. But the the history with the Marlins and Ronald Acuna Jr. goes back a couple of years. Um, usually it's Jose Urena that's plucking Acuna Jr. But this time, another Dominican pop Acuna. I'm going to get into that just a little bit more when I talk about the Major League playoffs, what I've seen so far that has caught my attention. Well, I say the Seattle Storm are the WNBA champions. Congratulations to all those ladies for sacrificing and being in the bubble and able to complete their season. But congratulations to Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart as Seattle got their fourth championship. Sue Bird's fourth. Pretty good. The Aces, I'm surprised they got swept. But Seattle was the better team. If you listen to this show on demand, whatever podcast platform that you are listening to this show, please hit that like, follow, subscribe button for me. Also, you can follow this podcast on Instagram and Twitter at WWS underscore sports show. And if you are on Facebook, please go to my Facebook page and click the like button. Been an interesting time in sports since the last time you've heard my voice. The NFL, uh, again, we've had more uh, coronavirus positive tests, more by the team that's had the most since the season has started, the Tennessee Titans. They already missed a game last week, cost the Pittsburgh Steelers a week off also, which Ben Roethlisberger made his uh, thoughts known about that. But anyway, yeah, no bubble, no hub city. Hello, baseball, golf, even NASCAR has told us when these guys travel and they're not in a bubble situation, you may have positive tests. I'm just not surprised by it. I'm not even surprised that the NFL did not um, give space in their schedule for the instance that this would happen because they're as cocky and arrogant as a lot of folk who believe that you have to keep going on with your daily life, even though that we are in the midst of a global pandemic. So, 
you have that thought process, when you get positive tests, you need to STFU. Simply. Point blank period. I'm trying to tell you. I don't, I don't it, no, don't whine about it. Don't cry about it. If you're going about every day with the thought that, hey, I cannot be afraid of the coronavirus, you just have to just keep going on. We'll get through this. Then you need to STFU when you get positive tests. Pay attention, college football. Pay attention. Your day coming. It's coming. Just be patient. I said this before. I'll be really surprised if the NFL plays all 16 games. I don't think it'll happen. And what has happened over this past week, Stephon Gilmore for the Patriots, a key contributor to the Patriots defense, the former, uh, the reigning defensive NFL MVP or, in, yeah, MVP, positive. Their quarterback, now their uh, biggest star on their defensive side of the ball. So we knew it was going to happen. People that think logically did. But apparently the NFL did not plan for this because they did not space out their schedule. So you get what you deserve. Pay attention, Sonny. Pay attention. Hey, boy, pay attention to me when I'm talking to you. All right, now to the games and individual performances in sports that got my attention. Of course, game four of the NBA bubble finals, the Miami Heat, my favorite team. Came short, six-point loss as the Lakers were able to take a commanding 3-1 to lead. That uh, Game five will be tomorrow night. The Lakers are going to wear the Black Mamba jerseys as they have dedicated this season since the passing of Kobe Bryant to Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi. So they're going to hopefully, in their minds, hoist the trophy in those jerseys. A little arrogant, but they have the right to be. They're, they are the stronger team be, only because they have the two of the five best players in the NBA. That gives them a big advantage. Miami has been putting up a much better fight since game two. After getting the doors blowed off of them in game one, they played a lot better in uh these nba finals is they just don't have the star power i know jimmy came up with 40 in that triple double in game three and in game four he started off strong bam returned to my dismay i really didn't want that kid to be back out there and taking the risk he is in line for a max contract if i was his agent i would have told him sit your arse down <laughs> no way sir I do not, don't take this risk. You are in for a big payday. And the way this team is constructed and they have the financial means because they have salary cap space. Listen, Miami can be good for a long time with Adebayo and Hero as their uh, main stars. And they, those two guys, if they keep progressing and that work ethic stays strong, they can be uh, a formidable formidable. Uh, duo in the NBA. So I didn't want Bam Adebayo to take the risk, but he came back. Um, he makes a difference as far as the rebounding. He gives them a presence at the rim. Um, but in for the Lakers, those two guys are skilled. James and Davis are skilled. I mean, to see a 6'11 guy hit a fadeaway shot on the baseline with 
basically a double team coming his way and he still drains it, that's just too doggone good. There's nothing you could do about that. That's just too doggone good. And then they got the guy who is considered by a lot of us, including yours truly, to be the best player in basketball. Hard to beat that duo. And as Tyler Hero learned, he's pretty darn strong too as he pushed Tyler, Tyler Hero to the floor on that breakaway dunk. The one thing about this that hadn't been mentioned on that play, Tyler Hero was uh, step for step with him. So he had to nudge him off. But anyway, that, that's what it, that's what I saw in that play that impressed me. Tyler Hero was step for step. So not bad. Good that he gave the effort. Um, I really don't have anything negative to say about this game, even though Miami lost. I'm, I'm just glad that they put up a fight. That's my main thing. They just put up that they're showing they're not going to bow out, bow out easily. I don't think they're going to do – I think they're going to play strong in game five. Um, it's an elimination game. Uh, Jimmy is still confident that they can win, and that's what he's supposed to be. He's not supposed to go to a press conference and say, yeah, I think we're done. No, that's what the talk – that's for the talking here is on TV or guys on podcasts like myself or AMFM radio like myself. We, we you know, we post them. Uh, we are the ones that's going to say, well, it's over. They have no chance, you know, but no. He's a he's a guy competing for a championship. He's not supposed to give up, you know, and that don't need to be analyzed. I I, I keep saying the same thing about some of these shows. I get you got to feel content, but some of the content is just absolutely stupid to me. Well, what do you think about Jimmy Butler's comments? What the hell did you think he was going to say? I mean, my goodness, some of this stuff is just absolutely just like they need to cut these shows to an hour. That's another doggone thing. Cut them to an hour because it's just outrageous. And on the on the fixed sports channel um, with the journalist and the ex-player, they just bicker all day. They just bicker. That's all they do. They bicker and yell. And the other guy, he's got LeBron pom-poms in his hand. So there's nothing wrong that LeBron can do. And let me speak about something in game four that I'm really kind of like miffed by. And this has been happening a couple of instances in this series. Let me put some context on this first before I get into my comment about him in this instance. In the playoffs, in basketball, you don't give away points. So if a guy has a uh, opportunity at the rim and you can stop him or impede him from making a basket, you foul his butt and you make him earn it. At the free throw line. This has been playoff basketball since I have been knee-high to a duck and remembering what I saw in the NBA playoffs. So when Jay Crowder fouls LeBron James at the rim to stop him from possibly getting the ball up and making sure he fouls him hard enough so he doesn't get a potential three-point play, why is LeBron flexing at Jay Crowder? I remember when he was with the team that he's playing against now, my Miami Heat. He got beat up in a lot of games. David West beat him up. Danny Granger uh, fouled him repeatedly one year uh, when the big three got together and they won their first title. And he just walked away. But he's flexing at Jay Crowder, talking to Jay Crowder. And then I had this uh, running dialogue or running tweet posts, whatever you call it. Yeah, tweets. 
with LA Laker fans, which I've been doing pretty regularly uh, since the uh, since this finals has started. And I was like, why is he flexing? And the Lakers went, well, he's locked in, and your guys are just brutalizing and beating him up. No. What Michael Jordan got from the Detroit Pistons in the late 90s was a star getting beat up physically. That was just a hard foul to not uh, to make sure that he doesn't get the ball in the air and make him earn it at the free throw line. And then his paper tiger, my bad, his teammate, Anthony Davis, he stands in the middle, and I'm like, dude, nobody's throwing hands. You guys need to sit down. No, just like and it's the same thing I can say about what Sandy uh, Alcantara said. Man, you guys ain't fighting. You guys are not fighting. Now I can get in baseball. Somebody hit me with a ninety plus mile an hour fastball. I probably want to hit him too. But I always wonder why the the batters drop the bat. He hit you with an object. Take the bat with you. <laughs> okay, I'm not condoning violence. I'm just saying. But anyway, so you guys are not going to fight. Just play ball. Yeah, all, all that posturing is stupid. It is just dumb to me. Absolutely dumb. But anyway, that's just my comment about it. Um, game five tomorrow night. Watch it. Then move on to the Major League Baseball playoffs. I already talked about earlier uh, the contentious nature of the Marlins and the Atlanta professional baseball team. But that has, that's in all of these games because these, these are all divisional rivals playing against each other. Um, listen, Atlanta's got a lot of good batters, not just Acuna Jr., but Freeman, the possible uh, National League MVPs on that roster. Marcelo Suna, who still can't hit a breaking ball to save his life. He can hit it straight. He can hit a straight fastball. I don't care how fast it's coming. <laughs> he can catch up to a, a straight fastball, but he still, this is the same problems he had when he was in uh, a Marlins uniform. He struggles with off-speed pitches. Um, and speaking of off-speed pitches, one of the things that I'm, I noticed about this Major League playoffs, and this probably is a constant theme in baseball period, but I just, just really got my attention, all these guys throw hard. I mean, all these guys are throwing mid-95 to 100 miles per hour, a baseball. But the ones who are making a huge difference, like Ian Anderson did yesterday for Atlanta, is the guys who can throw that off-speed stuff or – a breaking pitch to to you know ch- change the hitter's uh, timing. If you can do that in baseball and you're throwing ninety five plus, you got a good chance of making a quality start and giving your team the opportunity to win. That's that's just really what it comes down to. And Ian Anderson, Max Freed, they pitched. Max Fried, not so much. He was okay. He wasn't solid, but Ian Anderson was outstanding yesterday. And so was Lopez for the, for the Marlins. He was good. The Marlins just don't have the bats, um, that, the quality bats that Atlanta has. Hence, Atlanta has a 2-0 lead, one game away from moving on to the National League Championship Series. The Marlins aren't the only team that's facing elimination uh, the Oakland Athletics are facing elimination. Surprise to me in, in this next statement is that the Yankees are facing uh, possible elimination and also the Padres. Let me get to the Rays and the Yankees. I know who, who, who some of these Rays are now. I got it. Before I said, before the start of this series, I said I didn't know who was on the Rays. Oh, I know now. They got a dude, Rosa Senior, a Rose Arena. Is his name Randy Arozarena? He's a Cuban, and 
So far in these three games against the Yankees, he has three home runs in three consecutive games. But this is the thing about this buddy that I didn't know until I looked up his stats. He has hit seven home runs this year, all in the month of September. That means since September, this dude has hit 10 home runs. That's nuts. That is that is absolutely crazy. And he is destroying the Yankees right now uh, in this series. He even hit a home run off Garrett Cole, and Garrett Cole had a very impressive uh, game one start for the Yankees. This is where the Yankees are going to have problems because, yes, Garrett Cole is the ace and he's at the top of the lineup, but they don't have – they don't they, – they're going to get surprises in pitching uh, outside of Garrett Cole. They're just hoping for quality innings and didn't get it yesterday from Tanaka. The Rays just knocked him all over the park. They, they just slapped the ball everywhere, and they're up 2-1. to one. Their possible opponent – Whoever wins the game between the Rays and the Yankees are going to play uh, the winner between the A's and the Chitros. The Chitros are good. They are a good team. Those of us who ridicule them about, you know, the cheating scandal and all of those things, yeah, it, it, it was um, – they did create an unfair advantage, but they still can hit the ball. They still have Altuve. They still have Springer. They still have Bergman. They still have all those guys – on that roster, the pitching, not so much because Verlander's out and then Garrett Cole, he's with the Yankees. But anyway, um, these boys can hit. The Chitros can hit. And so can the Athletics. They both can hit. But the Chitros have shown, yeah, we may have cheated. We may have cheated. But still, we're still a pretty solid team. And they are. And right now, they've got the A's on the link of, of elimination and Let's see what happens. Last but not least about the Major League Baseball playoffs, I'm going to talk about the Dodgers and the Padres. Manny Machado (laughs) has always been a hot dog. He has always been this way even when he was with Baltimore. That is who he is, and he has the perfect teammate, his perfect perfect matching partner in his showboats in Fernando Tatis Jr. And when Manny Machado slapped that home run off of Clayton Kershaw and that bat throw, this wasn't a flip. This was a bat throw. <laughs> was impressive. I'm sorry. That kind of stuff just excites me. I like to see some excitement. Baseball's already boring. They need some pizzazz. And that, what these guys are doing after they hit home runs or guys get struck out, guys strut, strutting off the mound or trash talking around the base, base pass, I mean, that's cool. I don't have no problem with it. Again, the unspoken rules in baseball are stupid. So, Anyway, Manny Machado throws the bat um, after, he hits, after he hits the horn off of Clayton Kershaw, who again struggled in a postseason appearance. He's an awesome regular season pitcher, but his postseason is just – this is the norm. What was abnormal is what he did in the wild card round. But anyway, um, Manny Machado throws the bat. His home run was a golf shot. He was dirty. He almost picked that thing up off the ground and slapped it out. And to match him, Cody Bellinger did the same thing for the Dodgers. They almost it was, it was just from the opposite side of the plate. Machado, uh, Manny Machado hit his from the right side of the plate. Cody Bellinger hit his from the left. Almost identical. And then Cody Bellinger made the play of these divisional rounds when he robbed Fernando Tatis of that uh, straightaway center home run. And he leaped over the wall and grabbed that and uh, stopped the home run. The Dodgers are a good team. They're up 2-0 despite they got a solid 
six innings out of Clayton Kershaw. Even Big Jansen came in and almost blew the save. They had to go to Tom Wagner, to the Mr. Tom Wagner. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just type in the name Joe Kelly on Google, and it'll give you a contest for uh, uh, it. Give you uh, why I'm talking about calling him a Tom Tom Wagner. Um, anyway, he came in and he finished up the mess, even with bases, even with the bases being loaded. As Kelly Jensen almost, well, he definitely blew the save. It's not an almost, even though he was in there, he he blew it. It's Joe. It was on Joe Kelly. So the Dodgers are on their way to um, get to the National League World uh, National League Championship Series with a possible matchup against Atlanta. And that should be very good. I don't know. I'm not going to give up on the Marlins yet. I think they got an opportunity, but it's going to be hard to beat this Atlanta team three times in a row. It's not going to be easy whatsoever. All right, I want to get go ahead and make my NFL picks, but before that, let me just go ahead and say this. These picks are my opinions and for entertainment purposes only. Okay? Because last week I was 1 and 4, <laughs> 1 and 4 in my picks, 1 and 4 against the spread and thank you to Kansas City for saving my bacon and at least letting me get a W. So, um, these are not, you know, surefire bets. I'm not, I mean, surefire picks telling you that this is definitely, this is definitely what's going to be the outcome. It's just my opinion and a prediction, but it's for entertainment purposes only. Got it. All right. Let's start with game one. Um, got the Buffalo Bills playing at the Tennessee Titans. I did not find a spread on this game. Uh, Tennessee will be playing their first game after their, uh, outbreak. I'm going to just assume that this game will go on. Um, doesn't look too good right now. Like I said, uh, there were more positive tests in the NFL. And two, of those, two more of those came from Tennessee. So as of right now, I haven't heard this game being postponed or canceled. So it's going to go on. Buffalo is 4-0. Tennessee is 3-0. So this is a matchup of two undefeated teams. Uh, two quarterbacks that pretty much have the same, I guess you can say, same story pretty much except that Josh Allen for Buffalo has made that turn to where he's looking like more of a quality starter uh, than he did in his first two seasons it's the guy on the other side Ryan Tannehill a couple of seasons with my Miami Dolphins made me call him wide receiver 17 because I didn't think he was a quarterback I always thought he was a wide receiver which is what he played at Texas A&M but anyway he's looked decent since he's been over there see Ryan Tannehill uh, fans those of you who like to give me a hard time for getting on Ryan Tannehill? I, I said something nice about him, and I called his name. I didn't call him wide receiver 17. But if this game goes on, the Buffalo Bills got one job. Stop Derrick Henry. I don't care what else. Ryan Tannehill can't beat you. He can't. Stop Derrick Henry. That is the key for Buffalo to win this game. You have looked shaky, Buffalo, against the run. And I know Derrick Henry uh, hadn't been quite as good as he was toward the end of 2019, but he is still a quality running back, and they are still going to feed the beast. Stop him. Stop Derrick Henry. Make Ryan Tannehill beat you. You should know that. You study film. On to the Raiders in Kansas City. Kansas City, 13-point favorites at home. They're coming off a short week. Um, they played on Monday night. They should. Uh, and thank you, Kansas City. Kansas City is a team that won. They gave me that one win last week. I think they're going to get this win, and I think they're going to cover all 13 of these points. 
I don't really see much in this game that could change my thought process. The Raiders are a young team, and they are going against the defending Super Bowl champions. And when young teams um, who and the Raiders, I think, have lost two of their last three ball games, if I'm correct. So I think this would be three in a row. This, this possibly could be a third straight loss. Yeah, they're coming out. Yeah, so this is going to be tough. This won't be an easy outcome for them. Uh, outcome for them and Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, and Waller tied in. John Gruden's building something, but this schedule ain't been kind to them over these last couple of weeks. And I think that slide continues as I think Mahomes and the and the track team and uh, Kelsey at tied in. They should do a job on Las Vegas. And here's the key for Kansas City. Make Derek Carr beat you. Stop Josh Jacobs. That's the key. <laughs> if they want to win, it's that simple. It ain't that hard. Stop him. And I think Kansas City will cover all 13 of those points. This next game, the Bengals at the Ravens. One of the reasons I'm picking this game because I'm very intrigued to see what Joe Burrow does against a good, solid defense. The Baltimore Ravens are a good, solid uh, defensive team. Honestly, Joe Burrow has taken a beat has taken a beating against good teams. Jacksonville Jaguars is not a good team, so he didn't take much of a beating. But in games against uh, quality opponents with a solid pass rush, yeah, his offensive line has has made that boy visit the hot tub pretty pretty often on Mondays after games, and he's going to be in the hot tub a lot after this game because I think the Ravens are going to slap him silly. The, the interesting thing to me, though, although he has been getting slapped silly besides the Jaguars game. He has uh, been tall in the pocket. He showed the courage. He's gotten up, and he's still completed passes. I mean, he's been pretty impressive to me so far this season, although it doesn't reflect in the Bengals' record. But he can't help that the rest of his teammates are not that good, and the team's not that good. But he definitely looks like a player. He looks like a guy that was worthy of the number one overall pick, and he's been good. But he won't be good this week. The Ravens should handle this team very easily, just like they did to the Washington professional football team last week. I'm going to go with the Ravens to get that W. Moving on to the next game, this should be, this is the 4 o'clock game, the national 4 o'clock game. The Colts at the Browns. This is easy. I told you, I would never pick the Browns as long as Baker Mayfield is their their quarterback. I know Odell Beckham Jr. had an outstanding game against Dallas, but Dallas don't have a defense. The Colts do. This is a very good defensive team, the Indianapolis Colts are. So let's see what happens with the actor that plays quarterback for Cleveland, what he can do. I don't care. This is a one-half point game. They actually have the Browns favorite. That basically means it's a pick em game, and I'm going to pick the Colts. Again, this is very simple. I told you I would never pick the Browns as long as that dude is the quarterback. And so far, he's proven me wrong these last two weeks. I've lost because of my pettiness towards him. And the pettiness continues. Not picking nothing with Baker Mayfield. I refuse to. All right. The Sunday night game has Minnesota at Seattle. This is an intriguing game for this simple fact. Minnesota discovered, give the ball to Dalvin Cook. Hello. But they did beat the Houston Texans next last week. Who got rid of Bill O'Brien for some dumb reason. Why are you firing him now? You should have fired his butt when he got rid of DeAndre Hopkins when he didn't resign to Jadavion Clowney. I mean, you should. Have, I mean, it should have been antennas raised about this dude then, but it wasn't. He stayed on. Will Fuller drops a potential game time touchdown 
in the back of the end zone, and that drop pass caused his quarter his coach to be fired. Anyway, it is what it is. Um, when I look at this game, and I'm gonna be totally honest with you, when I look at this game, Minnesota <laughs> is a team. <laughs> I'm so serious. They need to get a ball to Dalvin Cook. I would not depend on Kirk Cousins for nothing at all. I just wouldn't. The Seattle Seahawks have the guy who, right now, the early, way too early, prisoner of the moment MVP race is Russell Westbrook. Yes, he has played outstanding. Uh, he had a good game against the Dolphins. Um, Carson had a solid game, averaging over five yards of carry against my Dolphins, and he should get that same number going against Minnesota that same exact number and DK Metcalf and Lockett and those boys and Greg Olson work in the middle should have a field day against this Minnesota team this team is devastated or they've been hurt uh, they have injuries on the defensive side of the ball Minnesota just doesn't look the same to me to be quite honest with you and I picked these guys to come out of the NFC as my surprise team but so far I was wrong but anyway, like I said, they got Delvin Cook. They should. They just discovered last week that he's on that roster. Feed the beast. Give him the ball because although Seattle's offense is good, their defense is suspect. Real talk. And we'll see. I don't think Jamal Adams is going to be available in this game. So let me get the Seahawks at home and getting in their favor by seven. I think they easily win by – I'm going to go by ten points. So I'm going to take all seven of those points. All right. I got nothing about the Premier League this week or anything uh, from the top football leagues in Europe because they're on international break. And if you don't know what that means, that means they're not playing this week because they're playing for their respective countries. So, going to see some international soccer. Congratulations to Inter Miami. Dumb name. Inter Miami got their first win over Red Bulls, New York. Eguin, free kick. This, uh professional footballer whose career started uh, when he was in his teens playing, being one of the best players in Europe. He's now on the Inter-Miami roster getting that big payday as he is going to, as he's, as his skills have faded for Europe, but they will be top quality for the MLS. Just saying. But Inter-Miami got their first uh, regular season win outside of the uh, bubble that when the MLS came back, they played in the bubble. But anyway, Miami got the win. Happy for them. Inter Miami is a dumb name because Inter is short for international. International. That's what Inter Milan is. I don't know. I'm leave that alone. I mean, there's Real Salt Lake in the Major League Soccer, and I think that's just dumb. I just don't get it in sport in Kansas City. You guys are so stupid. Be original. Just give them, go by the city's name and then go by, give them a nickname. Don't don't try to mimic your, your, your. Move on, Will. Say a prayer for somebody because prayer changes things. I holler, be safe. Have a good weekend. Keep that social distancing up. And don't forget, vote. Vote. Don't boo. Vote. Get your body out there and vote. Be safe. I holler.